0: Good morning everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say welcome to Christ Center. I am glad you're here. Now give me a big smile. Right on. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Center. So honored you'd be here with us today. And just a huge uh, welcome to all those viewing online. And I uh, just want to say we love you. We wish you were here in person. But we're thrilled that you're joining us online. We have been talking about life rings, you know, life rings, those inflatable things that you throw in the water when someone's drowning. And we've been talking about principles and strategies about how to keep our heads above water when we're drowning. When the storm comes, the trials come, and you take that hit, how can you maintain your head above water. How can you keep breathing instead of drowning? And today we're going to take a different slant. Today we're actually going to look at what it means for you to be a life ring. You yourself could be a life ring for someone in your orbit. Someone may need what you have to offer. And this is the heartbeat of Christ's center. To lead people to Jesus and to make disciples. And often it starts because we just tenaciously love people. Whether they're saved or not saved. Whether they're um, in a condition where you want to be around them. Or sometimes whether they're in a condition where you don't want to be around them. We love and so, there was a scripture verse when I just got saved, when I was 16. And this scripture verse has stayed with me for four decades. It is um, a powerful scripture. And it, it almost haunted me when I read it. And it, it actually changed my life. Um, I would read a Proverbs a day. Um, There's 31 Proverbs so it was real convenient to just read one every day and inevitably I would get to this proverb uh, and it's rescue those who are being taken away to death. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say behold we did not know this does not He who weighs the heart, perceive it. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. I remember hearing that shortly after I actually became a believer. And I knew that I had went from death to life. And I also knew that around me there were many of my friends who did not know Jesus. Jesus. And I took that scripture seriously, and I felt accountable that God was actually asking me to be a part of his rescue mission on this planet. And so today we're going to look at kind of an obscure character in the Old Testament that I think gives us some lessons on how we can be a life ring for others. And so I've simply entitled this message, Rizpah. And I know you're just waiting to try it out, so go ahead and say it. Rizpah. Rizpah. Now, here's what was happening in Rizpah's world. I'm going to give you a little history, and then we're going to move forward to the time of Rizpah. A long time before Rizpah, hundreds of years, God commanded Joshua to take the promised land. And he crushed Uh, Jericho defeated Ai, and all the other kings in, in the promised land started to get nervous about this mighty army that seemed to have God on their side. So they started making alliances. You know, the Ammonites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, all the ites started to make alliances with each other, thinking that if they just could combine their strength, they could overcome this encroaching army. But it didn't work. As a matter of fact, kingdom after kingdom, tribe after tribe, they failed. They failed to stop Israel from taking the promised land. Now, there was one tribe who decided on a little different tactic. They were the Gibeonites. And so the Gibeonites, this is what they decided to do. They decided that they would take old shoes that had holes in them And they would take the clothes that were very worn out. And if they weren't worn out enough, they would wear them out. They would take rotten bread. And then they would travel towards Israel, which was not that far away. And so they showed up at Israel's doorstep and said, We know you are conquering the land. We have no hope of defeating you. We want to make a treaty with you. Now, God had told the Israelites to take over the entire promised land. And so the Israelites said, we can't make a treaty with you because you're part of the promised land. You're one of our neighbors. And they said, no, we come from a far away land. Look at our, look at our shoes. Look at our clothes. Look at our wineskins. Look at our bread. It's moldy. And they believed that this Tried the Gibeonites, they believed that they were from a faraway place. And so they made a treaty with the Gibeonites, a treaty before God. Now they didn't consult God, but they made a treaty before God that there would be peace between them and the Gibeonites. Well, the Israelites found out that the Gibeonites had pulled one over on them. And so they decided to make them all temple workers. And so now there was an oath that they couldn't harm them, but instead they just became workers in the temple. And this went on for years, years and years, hundreds of years. There was peace between the Israelites and the Gibeonites. And then one day there arose a king, and guess where he came from? He came from Gibeah. He was a Gibeonite, and this king was so excited that during his coronation, he wanted to go back to Gibeah and show his own people that he was the king, and he was so excited to do this, and he expected them to finally say, you're an amazing person, and pay him homage and honor him and respect him, but when he did, they laughed at him. They ridiculed him. They made fun of this new king. And he hated that. He hated them for it. And so this new king, his name was King Saul. He had his own wars to fight against the Philistines. He had his own battles, his own demons to face. And he started turning away from the ways of God. As a matter of fact, he even broke a treaty that was made before God with the Gibeonites. And so he started executing the Gibeonites, slowly, methodically killing them, disregarding that he had made a treaty before God to protect them. Well, shortly after murdering the Gibeonites, this king and his son David, by the way, David uh, David the king was, would soon become king, had a, a, a best friend. Um, he was like a soul brother. His name was Jonathan, and he was the son of King Saul. And so King Saul and Jonathan were out on a raid against the Philistines, and it says that they were killed in battle. And now David was going to be king. But when they killed Saul and they killed Jonathan, it says that the Philistines hung them up in a tree, impaled them in trees. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, the Bible says. And there they were. And so some of the Israelites came in and they, they took the bodies down and they buried them under a tree in Jabesh. And I want you to remember this no great kingly funeral, no amazing celebration of life. They were just left to rot under a tree in Jabesh. And so David now is king. And he inherits the kingdom. New hope, new vision. There's going to be prosperous days ahead. Except what had happened toward the end of King Saul's journey when he started killing the Gibeonites is that the land fell under a curse. And so now there was a drought in all of Israel. And that drought went from day to day to week to week, month to month, year to year. Animals were dying, people were dying. It was horrific. When David became king, he not only inherited a kingdom, he inherited a curse, a drought. And after a long time, it says he inquired of the Lord. He wanted to find out why this has happened. And so God told him, he says, because of the bloodthirsty house of Saul and his treacherous murder of the Gibeonites is why this curse is on the land. And so David did what he thought was best, and he called for a delegation of the Gibeonites to come to him. And therefore, David said to the Gibeonites, and this is in uh, 2 Samuel 21, therefore David said to the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? Because he knew there was a curse, and he knew it was because of the Gibeonites, And with what shall we make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And here's what the Gibeonites said to him. As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And so now... This delegation of Gibeonites is saying we want seven descendants from King Saul. And the king said, I will give them. And it says they hung them on a hill before the Lord. So they fell. All seven together were put to death in the days of... Rizpah took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock... From the beginning of harvest until late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the fields by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son. Remember, they were in Jabesh under a tree to the country of Benjamin and Zela. In the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. And the curse was lifted and the rain fell. I want to talk to you today about Rizpah. Rizpah demonstrated unconditional love. She's a mom. She's a mom and two of her sons are taken from her. And they're killed. No doubt she watched. She was there. What mother in here could bear to watch that? And she saw two of her sons killed. And it says that she so loved them that she chose to go to where they were hanging and plan herself. I want to ask you a question. What could her sons do for her? What could her sons do for her? They were dead. They could do nothing for her. And yet there she was, refusing to leave staying next to her sons. The Bible says in Luke, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What Jesus is saying here is his love is so powerful in us that unlike physical and other kinds of love, it goes out never to get anything coming back to it. It's like an arc, a rainbow. It goes out, but it doesn't come back. It just goes out to give. Love ever gives, lives, and outlives. It ever stands with open hands, and while it lives, it gives, for that is love's prerogative, to give and give and give. If you want to be a Rizpah, are you willing to love people unconditionally? Are you willing to love them when they can do nothing for you in return? You see, sometimes God asks us to love people that we would not choose on a normal day to love. Some of us, it's our spouses on certain days. Can I get an Amen. You're all very wise. I didn't hear a single amen out there. But some days we have to love our spouses unconditionally. But let's face it, in that relationship, it's give and take. But what about Rizpah? What about, she's a life ring to some people that can never repay her back. And sometimes God is going to call you to love someone. He's going to put it on your heart to love someone. To love that student in your class. To love that kid on your team. To love that family member that's irritating you. To love that fellow church member that has the opposite viewpoint as you. To love whoever. God has asked me to love some pretty crazy people. As a matter of fact, there's times I go, God, did I hear you right? And yet... God has rewarded me for loving unconditionally in ways I can't even begin to understand, in ways I could never even convey. There is something about when you love with a God kind of love, an unconditional kind of love, without expecting anything in return, something happens in that individual. But that's what Rizpah did. She loved Let's never forget that Jesus saw us at our worst and gave us his very best. The other thing Rizpah did is she made her bed. It says she took her sackcloth and she laid it on the rock. She just laid it there. Why would she do that? I'll tell you why, because she wasn't going anywhere. She was gonna lay there as long as it took. And that's exactly what she did. She made her bed. You see, if you're going to be a Rizpah, then you have to make your bed. You have to say, I am in this for the long haul. There have been people that I have been praying for for 40 years. 40 years. I'm waiting for God to do something in their life. I made my bed. And I'm going to keep praying for them until the Lord calls me home. Some people, I pray, and boom, it seems to happen immediately. Some, most of the time, there's about a five-year lifespan on a prayer for someone. I, I don't see anything in, in, until about five years, and then all of a sudden, I just see some miraculous things happening in their life. But it, is God calling you to love someone unconditionally? Is he calling you to, in a sense, make your bed and say, I'm not leaving from this place. This is my post, and I'm not going anywhere. Listen, in a world that we run from one pleasure to the next pleasure, from one thing to the next thing, we're in a buffet culture. Sometimes God asks us to just be still and not move. Like he told Timothy Timothy, stand your ground. I know all the stuff's coming against you, but there's people that need you there in Ephesus. Stand your ground. Don't leave your post. Sometimes, Rizpahs, we just have to stay put when it's uncomfortable, when it would be easier to leave. God's calling us to stay put, to, to go for the long haul, to outlast the curse. Because guess what? Yes, it did rain, but that rain that was so good for everyone else was not so good for Rizpah. But she stayed anyways. And what this world really needs, it has a lot of drifters, what it really needs is some people that stand their ground and not be easily moved off their post. Rizpah confronted the curse. She confronted the curse There are people that you know and there are people that I know that it seems as though they're living under a curse. Every strategy of the enemy, every tactic is about attacking them. I'll tell you one thing I pray for my family every day. I may not hit all of the people every day, but I pray for my family, and this is what I pray. God, I stand in the gap for my family. So that any attack on them has to come through me first. And then I say, I pray the blood of Jesus over me and my family that no weapon formed against us will prosper. But I'm willing to stand in the gap. I'm willing to confront the curse. And sometimes when you are fighting for someone, when you're a life ring for someone, there's things going on in their life you don't even know about. I have been amazed at the people that I've had difficulty loving. And then I get the backstory of their life and I realize that they have been abused. I realize that they have been neglected. I realize that they've been abandoned. I realize that they have been, in in some instances, spiritually abused. And so they're living under this curse. And it's as though they're daring you to really love them. Sometimes they'll even act out and say, you're going to leave now? I'm sure you're going to leave now. Nope. Made my bed. I'm here. Not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, I'm going to confront the curse. Do you realize God, if you're a follower of Jesus, has given you authority? That's right. He's given you authority. In Jesus' name, you have authority. He says he's put the devil underneath your feet. That's what they would do with, with when they conquered people. They would put the head of the enemy under the king's feet. And it says, Jesus says, I have put the enemy under your feet. But we don't walk in that. But we should walk in that. Who do you know right now that's suffering? Who do you know right now that's hurting? Who do you know right now that you're a Rizpah for? And you need to be praying against the powers of darkness in their life. You need to be calling down heaven on their life. You need to be dispelling hell. That's what I need to do. It's what we all need to do. We need to confront those areas of darkness. And that's what Rizpah did. There was a curse. And sadly, here's what the scripture says. Now, Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of what? Harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. She was there during the rainy season. And it hadn't rained in a long time. So, rain is good, right? Rain is good for everyone else except Rizpah because now she's wet, weary, and cold. But she's not leaving this bed. She's made her bed. She's there. And although everyone else is rejoicing, everyone else is drinking, everyone else is feeding their animals, and with, they've finally got water they can drink, their, their crops can start growing again, everyone else is blessed, not Rizpah, because Rizpah's fighting for something. Rizpah's fighting against the curse. Because cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree and her sons are hanging on a tree and she's fighting against that curse. She's fighting that those, those sons will come down. Eisenhower said, there are no victories at bargain prices. It is so true. We think that we're just going to get a victory because we, we stay for a day or two when God's not into microwaving. He's into marinating. And that's how we need to be as well. Fourth point. Rizpah defended the helpless. Not only did she love unconditionally, but they were helpless. They were helpless. They could not defend themselves. I mean, who know right now? Think about it. They're helpless. They're helpless against the onslaught against them. And they're just looking for someone to step up and stand in the gap. To get in front of them, to shield them. They're just looking for someone. I remember being helpless. We used to have neighborhood wars when I was a kid. Anyone in here had we used BB guns, not too bright. I didn't say we were smart, I just said that's what we did. BB guns and pellet guns, and uh, I remember getting captured one time, and I was tied with ropes, and we were stuck in a little picker's cabin, and um, and I was trapped. And I thought, before this is over, I'm going to get shot with a BB. I mean, there's just no question about it. And then my best friend Kurt Port showed up. Now he didn't have a BB gun. But he showed up because I was in there, and I was helpless, but he showed up. And the next thing I know, him and his brother, they were on opposite teams. Can you imagine that? Brothers on opposite teams, and they were fighting. And Kurt turned the BB gun around and stuck it in his brother's stomach and then shot him. And then he took off and jumped over a cliff, and they were, it was, it was, (laughs) BBs and pellets were flying everywhere. But where they weren't flying was at me. And I got away. I was helpless. I still remember that moment. I mean, no one wants to get shot with a BB gun or a pellet gun. But he risked it. I was helpless. Think about it. These, these guys hung on these trees were absolutely helpless. But she stayed there. God says this, and I love it. He says, When I was hemmed in, y- you understand that. When I was hemmed in, uh, in other words, I was surrounded, you freed me. This is David talking. When I was trapped, when there was no way out, when I was helpless, you freed me. Boy, did he ever. Did David have to go through some bumps? Yeah. Did it happen overnight? No. But did it happen? Yes. And it happened so that David would be a good king. All that running around on the countryside wasn't just because God wanted to see David run. It was because he wanted him to be a good king. And he freed him. He was helpless and he freed him. I remember so many times in my life, I've been helpless and someone has freed me. Who is it that you know right now that is helpless? Think about it. Maybe they're acting out, maybe they're difficult to love, but they're helpless. The curse is all over them. Now, David's best friend and covenant brother, Jonathan, you remember where Jonathan is? Jonathan is under a tree in Jabesh, far away from the kingdom. But you see, sometimes when you're faithful, Rizpahs, you inspire other people to be faithful too. Do you hear that? When you're faithful, you inspire other people to be faithful I think sometimes with my own children, it was never what I taught. It was more what they watched. When I tell people I've been at this church for 31 years, they can't hardly believe me. Why, 31 years. Yeah. I made my bed. I want to confront the curse. I love these people. And in many instances, all of us become helpless. And in those moments, I want to be there as much as I can. The team wants to be there as much as they can for you. But we hope that you don't just admire it, but we hope that you emulate it. That you find yourself saying, I'm going to bury myself. I'm going to plant myself. I'm going to make my bed. Because, Rizpah, you could inspire your own son or daughter. You could inspire someone that's watching you just because of your faithfulness. And it says that David took Jonathan and Saul and he brought their, their bones back. And it says that he held a celebration and an honor. Now, David loved Jonathan. If you know anything about the story of David, you know how much he loved Jonathan. And yet he was not willing to act until he saw Rizpah living out her faith. And then he was finally willing to act. You never know who you may inspire, Rizpah, just because you're obedient, just because you're faithful, just because you've made your bed and you've stuck it out, just because you're willing to stand in the gap, to love unconditionally, to help the helpless. You never know who's watching you. Number six: Rizpah's home became the rock. Now what's interesting is it says the scripture says, "Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on, not a rock, the rock." I, I don't know what that means. Were there a bunch of rocks, one that stood out, but it says, the rock." Whenever you're a Rizpa to someone else, you need to stand on the rock, Jesus. In other words, if you're just trying to do this in your flesh, you will never succeed. People are tough to love. I know, my wife tells me how tough I am to love. So, they're tough to love. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And so we have to make sure, because you see, God might say, hey, you're on the sideline Rizpah right now, but I want you to go into the bleachers and just pray for them for a while. See, God may move you from place to place, but you got to hear him first. got to be established on the rock. I remember uh, in Chelan at the state park, there was a young kid, and he was about halfway between the beach and the, the uh, floating dock out there. And he was struggling. He was, you could tell, he was floundering. And so I went out, and I just gained all these lifeguard skills, and I thought I'm going to give him a cross-chest carry all the way back to the shore. I just couldn't wait to try it out. And I got up next to him, and he clung onto me like super glue, like Gorilla Grip. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Now, they taught us if when someone thinks they're drowning, they're going to cling to you. And they could be a small child, but you better get away from them. And so I did. I pushed back and got away. And they say, now wait for them to flounder for a while and to get tired. Then you go back in. So I'm sitting there, and he's floundering. And I didn't like the idea of just watching him flounder. So I came up with a plan B, and they don't teach this in lifeguard training. My plan B was I just went under him, under the water, and I got on the sand, and I grabbed his, his legs, and I just started walking him to the shore. <laughs> so all of a sudden, he looks like he's water skiing, you know, and I'm just walking him to the shore until finally I pop my head out and I can breathe again. You see, sometimes we think we can do it on our own, but we can't. They cling. It's hard to love. They do things that irritate you. That's why you need to be on the rock. That's why you constantly need to be looking at Jesus because he is the true visual of what it means to love unconditionally. And so... This morning, as you think about being a Rizpah to someone, first make sure that you're established on the rock, that you're hearing from God. And then as you love unconditionally, as you defend the helpless, as you confront the curse, as you do all those things, make sure it's in His strength. See, I was floundering as He was choking me until I got under foundation, and then I was Okay. I could start walking again. And maybe there's someone here today that you need a Rizpah in your life. You feel like you're helpless. You're alone. Oh man, I want to remind you today, you're not alone. You know, God promises to be the father to the fatherless. He promises you that You know, even though your mother and father forsake you, I never will. God says that a friend loves at all times. And Jesus is truly our friend. He says he will never leave you or forsake you. And in this moment, know that you are loved by God, that he will meet your needs. It doesn't mean you're not going to have to contend, uh, do some fighting as you make your bed, but God's going to be there with you. Have hope. Have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some of you are struggling so hard right now, you can't even see it. You have no imagination of what life could be like out from under this cloud. Would you listen to me this morning as just one, one person out of many speaking for God? He is not going to ever allow you to fall away. He's not going to suddenly say, well, I don't like you anymore. and He will not leave you. He loves you. He will relentlessly pursue you, even in your failures. If you say you have no sin, you lie, and the truth isn't in you. We all have sin. We all have stuff. We all have garbage. But God relentlessly pursues us, anyways. This morning, we just bow your head for a minute. How many of you would say just this morning, Gosh, I kind of feel like I need a Rizpa in my life. Just slip up your hand if that's you today. Come on. Yeah, that's it. Just slip it up. There we go. Father, you see the people in this building, Lord, that need you. They need you today. Oh, we, we need friends. We need RISPAs in our life. But God, you are the one that will never disappoint. You are the one that will... Never walk away. You are the one that truly knows how to love unconditionally, and I pray that all those people that are struggling in that in this moment right now would feel that love from you. Even now, fill them with your Holy Spirit, Jesus, and let them feel your peace and your joy. In Jesus' name, I and mean, just keep your heads bowed for a minute. You know, Rizpa didn't have. A burning bush that God spoke out of and said do this there was no voice in the middle of the night saying uh, you know hey listen to me like Samuel there was no uh, there's no silent whisper at the mouth of a cave like Elijah saying Rizpah go do this No, there was none of that. There was no cousin Mordecai giving advice on what should be done. There was no Jesus saying, follow me. No, but Rizpah had somewhere deep in her heart, she knew that she was supposed to keep going and keep loving her sons. And the last point is this, and just keep your heads bowed, please. Rizpah's, if you don't give up, you will eventually be rewarded. You see, when David saw her faithfulness, he not only took Jonathan and Saul's bones, but he also took down Rizpah's son's bones as well. And they went from hanging on a tree, which was a curse, but then they were taken and they were buried in the tomb of the kings. Did you get that? They went from a curse to literally being buried with kings. Rizpa, don't give up. Make your bed. Love unconditionally. Defend the helpless. Outlive the curse. And maybe this morning you just need strength to do that because right now you're trying to be a Rizpah, but you just need God to fill you with his spirit. To finish the job, to keep going forward. Just if that's you, raise your hand. You need to see something done in the wow, all over this place. God, you see these hands of people that are being rispas. They're choosing to love when it's hard. Lord, I pray for them that you would empower them by your spirit, but I also pray, God, that there would be a breakthrough in their life as they minister to this person or these people that they're ministering to. God, may they see the fruit of their labor. And then Lord, I pray this prayer for our whole church. Lord, teach us how to be Rizpahs. And if there's not someone that we're rescuing, then God, would you bring them into our path? And we make a commitment this morning that if you bring them into our path, we'll be Rizpahs. And we're going to stand on the rock. If you believe this, would you just say amen? Let's stand up and worship the King of Kings this morning.